You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Bedard, nifty pass for Vlasic with a lot of room. He put it on that rebound goal. Going into that face-off circle with Sidney Crosby, what was going through your mind? Try to win it, and I failed miserably. You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The lesson is, never try. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on AO Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Canucks game day, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by... EverythingFinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at EverythingFinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It's the day we've all been waiting for. The Canucks, the Oilers, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Wall-to-wall coverage today right here. On your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650, it begins with us, the Halford and Bruff Show this morning. Canucks Talk is on today. Canucks pregame, post, and the call. Everything you need right here on your home of the Canucks. As for this show, what's happening today? Uh, guest list begins at 6.30. Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show, also the 32 Thoughts podcast. We can go over what happened last night in the NHL because mm-hmm. it officially got underway for six teams last night. Well, I think we should go over the the grenade that Elliot Friedman launched into the market too a couple days ago when he was talking about Elias Pettersson and how the Canucks are like, oh, you're not willing to uh, commit to us? Well, we, maybe we're not willing to commit to you. Merrick was on hand for that grenade drop. And, yeah, well, shrapnel. exactly. Uh, Jason Greger is going to join us out of Edmonton to talk about the Oilers tonight and the expectations that the Oilers have. And then at 8 o'clock it is. Randy Jand is going to join us. He is on the call with Brendan Batchelor for tonight's game, so he'll join us to set it up. And then at 8.30, Canucks legend Stan Smeal is going to join us. Fresh off his departure from the organization, sorry, transition down a roll from the VP of Hockey Ops. Steamer will join us at 8.30. Uh, again, a reminder, 7 o'clock tonight, Canucks Oilers from Rogers Arena. Working in reverse, the guest list, 8.30, Stan Smeal, 8 o'clock, Randy Janda, 7.30, Jason Greger at a Sports 14.40 in Edmonton, and Jeff Merrick's coming up at 6.30. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. With all due respect to our beloved Vancouver Canucks, we are going to lead with the opening night of the National Hockey League last night. Biggest story of the night by far, Connor Bedard. An assist in his NHL debut and a win for the Chicago Blackhawks. Four unanswered goals coming from two down to beat the Penguins 4-2 at 
PPG Paints. Yeah, this was appointment viewing for me. I made sure I was able to watch the entire game. And for Connor Bedard, what a way to start your NHL career. Taking a face-off against Sidney Crosby while the referee welcomes you to the league on national TV. And just for good measure, uh, the Blackhawks won. Yep. Uh, the Blackhawks did look pretty good, although I'm not sure if it had more to do with the Blackhawks and their good effort and the additions of a bunch of new players like Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall, or if the Penguins looked a little bit old to me. It was a little bit they, of both. Because the Penguins looked pretty good early on, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, I don't know if they just let their foot off the gas or they look slow to me. Mike, Sul- slow. Mike, Mike Sullivan said in the post game that uh, he believes that they got a better team than what showed up against Chicago mm-hmm. in the opener. I feel like the Blackhawks had the expected juice for having Bedard yeah, in the line, but, right? And, and Bedard was Bedard was good. And he played 21-29, so um, he was out there constantly. Did he have the type of NHL debut that... Some guys have had, like, remember Austin Matthews scored, like, four goals in his NHL debut? No, I he didn't. I remember that. Um, but what was interesting to watch was um, how he, at 18 years old, and one game in the NHL already acts like an alpha player. Like, mm-hmm. he was not shy to shoot. Um, he wasn't coming off the ice during the power play after a minute. He looked up at the clock, and he was like, yeah, I'm still staying out here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no rookie shyness from Bedard. Uh, he didn't score, but as you mentioned, he did pick up an assist, and it was a nice little uh, pass uh, to book his first NHL point. I think it's still, like, this isn't uh, this isn't me doubting him or anything. Um, this <laughs> is just like, I think it's just going to be an adjustment for him. He got knocked down a few times last night, so from a physical perspective, he's going to have to adjust, and he's going to have to realize that um, there are going to be players out there that want to hit him. Well, he's hit eight, him hard. He's, he's 18, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. the big thing. Because they, they, they had this statistic going up that he's the first 18 year old to score in his NHL debut since I think Nathan McKinnon and Alexander. Well, he didn't score. Did it. He didn't score. Score a point. Okay. Right. Um, the point would be that those guys are way more physically robust and they were breaking in, even though they're still teenagers than Bedard. I mean, Bedard's just not a huge guy. No, and, he's not a big guy. And it's going to be interesting because this, this week is, I think three in six over the next Six days. So they've got a lot of games. They're back to back right away with Boston. So you get a chance to see him again right away. Long term, like I look at this and I kind of had a laugh and I'm like, the goal scorers included Cole Gutman. Like th- this is not going to be a good Chicago team over the course of 82 no, games. They not. just don't have the talent. No, but Jason Dickinson scored last night. Ryan Donato scored last Jason night. Jason Dickinson looked pretty good last night. They scored the um, go ahead goal. The, the the things about Bedard, though, I think for every player that dominated at the junior level like he did, there's just going to be a learning process, um, and it might be a little bit of trial and error. Like, w- what he got away with juniors, uh, in junior, some of the things he might not get away with um, in the NHL. Uh, and I think his shot selection is going to be fascinating mm-hmm. because I think down in junior, he's like, I'm shooting – Everything because not only do I have this everywhere incredible shot, like the goalies will sometimes let them in. So there's probably going to be a learning process there, but uh, I think he's going to be fine. He's got so much confidence. And one thing that really strikes me 
is how prepared he seems for all the attention he's going to get. Like, Mm -hmm. he was not shying away from the attention. He was interviewed multiple times. He had massive scrums around him. He was on the Pat McAfee show. And I think even just the answer that he had, and, like, he's able to make a joke at 18 years old. You know, like, he seems comfortable in the spotlight. He already has more personality than McDavid. Like yeah, already. Like already. McDavid, it's his first game. McDavid, I think the problem <laughs> yeah, McDavid's with, comfortable, though. I think he is, but everyone, I'm just saying Bedard acts, actually Everyone has. takes a little differently, but I think... Bedard's but, interesting, though. But, but Bedard, you know, Bedard was able to take a shot at himself when they asked him about his, uh, you know, taking the face off, what do you want to do? He's sure. like, I, I wanted to win it, but I failed miserably, right? Like, I mean, that, that shows a... For me, that shows a guy that is confident, but also doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think that's a terrific attitude to have. Alfred and Ruff ethos. Yeah, for sure. Well, except for being a superstar, which we are not. We just don't take ourselves seriously. I'm 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 cheering so hard for him as an individual. I just do not care for the team he plays for. Yeah, that's That's a a tough one. I'm still trying to... Calibrate that. Do you think he'll have? Do you think he'll have PTSD every time he scores and hears uh, Chelsea Dagger growing I, up watching? Yeah, the like the it's Hawks? just it is odd. Be weird. Right? Like w- <laughs> never have I tuned into a Blackhawks game and even been remotely interested in seeing them succeed on the ice. Yeah. And last night I'm like, oh, go Connor! Like he's such like, a hardcore Canucks fan. Too. Like he'll never be. Like, he'll never be happy when he scores. He's like. Ah, fine. Yeah. I hear this stupid song again. I, I hope he leads the charge to sh- change that. Yeah, that would be song. That would be an alpha move right there. That would be. Yeah, yeah. day two on the job. Then, I'd like to change our long-standing yeah, goal song. In the warm-up, scarred me as a child. Can we please move it? In the warm-up, he used no bucket, and they said in the intermission that he's going to get a fine for that. Really? Yeah, Jamal Mayers said that it, you, if there's a, a hierarchy of players that can wear no bucket, and he's not on that list. Of course so there is. Okay, so the Blackhawks beat the Penguins 4-2. to two. The yeah. early game, uh, Tampa Bay beat Nashville 5-3. to three. This was a game with a couple of momentum changes. The Lightning dominated to start. The Nashville got back into the game, and the Lightning were then like, nope, no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won 5-3. to three. And the late game, Vegas raised the Stanley Cup banner, and... Pretty handily defeated the Seattle Kraken four to one. Yep. The one thing that strikes me about Vegas is how much they seem to enjoy playing together. Mm-hmm. Like they really know they know how they want to play. And here's the key: they have the ability to do it. Yeah, personnel's <laughs> a big deal. Personnel's a big deal. Look, that is probably probably the best bottom six forward group in the NHL. Down right? the middle, um, like there are better centers. In the NHL, I don't know if anyone has like the strength of all four centers that Vegas does. They, right? Like you've they, got Jack Eichel at the top, you've got uh, Chenandler Stevenson, who has honestly been a great story. Like he, he was, yeah, he had a goal and an assist he, last he's night. A, he's a he's a really good player, and by the way, he's got a year left before he's a unrestricted free agent. And then you've got William Carlson, who's kind of got a similar story to Stevenson, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys were in their older organizations; they were not top-line players that come to Vegas and they develop into those or they grow into those roles, although Carlson did it right away. And then what you're talking about in the bottom six is like Nick Waugh as a center. Like that fourth line is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, like Nick Waugh is a third-line center on most teams. Some teams would be like, can you play second-line center? Yeah, I know. They they went about it and built a team. And part of it was that they were allowed to do it from scratch. Although granted, they've turned over the Golden Misfits thing. But they've gone out and aggressively identified the type of players that fit the way that they want to play. And, and part of it is we are going to build out incredible amounts of depth 
Because, I mean, look, we'll talk to Jason Greger later in the show about the Oilers, but one of the things that I've read consistently in the Oilers' previews going into this season is the big reason they lost that series against Vegas was because their third and fourth lines got thoroughly outplayed. That Vegas felt that anytime their bottom six was on the ice, they had a decided advantage. They almost were like, yeah, we'll concede the fact that Dreisaitl and McDavid are going to get theirs. Mm -hmm. That's par for the course. But if we can not just saw them off, but beat them thoroughly with those lines out there, Lo and behold, they won the series. So those were the other two games from last night. Vegas gets a win. Tampa Bay gets a win. We now need to dive into the big news of yesterday as it pertains to your Vancouver Canucks. Connor Garland would like to go elsewhere. (laughs) The Canucks just nearly made it to the first game of the regular season, having like a quiet relatively quiet time. Have you guys not not read our no distraction sign? You're clearly missing the no distraction. Yeah. I had to erase it. We've now gone zero days. Is is everything going right yet? Like a couple of days ago, uh, Elliot Friedman had that report about Elias Pettersson that made headlines. And now it's Connor Garland in the spotlight. Um, Garland changes agents. And this is a big deal because Garland has three years left on his contract. He's not like an, uh, you know, those guys that change their agents while they're unrestricted free agents because they're not getting the deal that they want. Like he, you, you don't change agents like this. I mean, I don't know unless unless you have like a fist fight with the guy or something like that. He, he wants something, and you know, by all accounts, he wants out of Vancouver. Um, and talk about a tough situation for the Canucks. We all know they've been trying to trade guys like Garland. They've been trying to clear cap space. Guys like uh, Connor Garland, um, Brock Besser, Tyler Myers. But it's pretty awkward. This gets out now the day before the season opener at home for the Oilers. Sorry, you said get, it gets out. I think it's an interesting way of phrasing it because I think it was put out. I don't think it was. I don't think it got out. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference put, it was here. Put out it by was the put out. So the, the so his new agent like spit out the words put out. His new agent is a guy by the name of a uh, Judd Moldaver. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Judd. That's a tough name. Judd. He's Moldaver. a guy by the name of. I haven't practiced the pronunciation. But I think we should all get to know this guy because he is one of the um, new power agents. Like, he is McDavid's agent Mm -hmm. because McDavid's old agent started to work for the Edmonton Oilers. Jeff Jackson. So he went to Judd. Judd and Jeff. And... And he's also Austin Matthews' agent. And like Roman this, Yossi. He's like got a big is, client base. This guy that's got, uh, like, Pat Brisson is still the big guy. He's still the big agent. But this guy, Judd Moldaver, God, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, yeah. is is considered kind of like the up-and-coming power agent. And the best agents have a way of making things happen. They have a way of putting pressure on teams in order to... Uh, get their clients what they want. That being said, I'm not particularly sure how Garland's new agent is supposed to craft a deal here. I'm sure the Canucks have fully explored a trade. Didn't we go through this with Besser too? Like, you know, the Canucks have given their agent, you know, permission to go talk to other teams. But maybe, maybe Ben Hankinson, the agent for Brock Besser, isn't as aggressive as this new hotshot agent, well, what, is he, uh, well, how, what how, how much more aggressive does he need to be? To just like I've said threat, it before, threatening yeah. people or it's something? It's not a like? mindset, great, Jason. It's a grind set. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it bears repeating that Garland fired his old agent 
quite recently mm-hmm. and hired his new agent despite the fact that he's got three years left on his deal. He wants out of Vancouver and he wants out as soon as possible. And, you know, he can he can spin it, which he did to the media, and he said, well, that's my agent's job. I'm excited playing for a Canadian team. I'm excited for the season opener. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like maybe he is, right? He's a hockey player. He gets to play hockey now. But at the same time, tonight against the Oilers, in the first game of a season where the Canucks are hoping to come together as a team and hoping to find something that galvanizes them, Mm -hmm. one of the wingers who could be on their top line tonight might be a guy that's currently requesting a trade. Yep. Like, that's not good for team morale. That's not good for the dynamics of a group that is apparently sick of losing, has a new leadership group, a new captain who's pretty young, pretty inexperienced, and one of the guys on the team doesn't want to be there. Well, look, I'll say this. It feels like a real junk move from Garland, if we're being honest. It feels like a really, really, really lousy move as a teammate, as a guy that spent the entire preseason working under the pretense that Rick Tockett threw out there, which is play for what's on the front of the jersey, what's not on the back, don't worry about that, play for the logo, play for the crest. Now, look, you might say, Halford, this doesn't sound like you. You're always empowering the players and their ability to move, and it's too static in the NHL, and I still agree with all that. The issue with this is the timing, right? And then... I don't want to play the Garland audio. I'll just paraphrase what he said. Because he got up there yesterday and kind of tap danced around what was going on. Acknowledged that he changed agents, but then added, uh, that's his business, talking about the agent. That's not my business. I'm not an agent. I'm a hockey player. I'm like, oh, did your new agent fire your old agent? Yeah. Did your new agent hire himself? Because that feels like you decisions. Do you ever give decisions? Do you ever give directions to your agent or does he run your life? Yeah, like I come on. (laughs) Really? Come on. And I get look, I can understand that maybe he's got a level of disappointment with how things have gone over the last couple of years in Vancouver. I can understand that maybe he wants to change his scenery, and I can understand that maybe he didn't love potentially opening the third line, opening on the third line with Puce Suter as his center. Yeah, like, I get all that. Is that a related story, by the way, that Garland gets kicked up to the top line? I mean, I didn't love seeing that either. No, 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 but is it a related story? Do you think the Canucks were like... Maybe. All right, fine. Maybe. But then, then you... Well, they got to st- showcase him now, right? So. Oh, yeah. Because the book's not out on Connor Garland yeah. yet. Yeah, is he the okay, one that spins time. with the short stick? Look, I'm telling you, this is kind of a dick move going into the opener. He could have done this at the start of the preseason. He could have done this at the start of training camp. Mm-hmm. He could have held out from training camp. But no, no, no. But but doesn't that make you wonder how it went down? You're saying he could have. He could have. I'm saying like, the timing is not no, 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 coincidental. But, but there's a but there's there reaches a boiling point sometimes for players. There reaches a point, and I wonder what it was for Garland. Could it be that you said he could have done this before training camp? Maybe he was at any point. Okay, maybe he was waiting to see what happened at training camp, and then he's on the third line and he can't get off the third line. He's like. I'm with Suter. Like, I don't even, Puce, is it Pius, Pius? How, how do we pronounce this? Like, regardless, I don't want to play on the third line with you. And then all of a sudden he's like, like Luongo eventually had a breaking point, right? Sure. That was the, it was the Heritage Classic, whatever sure. they called it, right? Right. Could there have been, could there, I'm just throwing it out there. 
could you you're right because the timing is so aggressive and so um from the outside looking in selfish that I wonder if there was something that happened during training camp or during the preseason where Connor Garland was like, this agent, you're fired because I'm getting really pissed off here and I'm hiring a new agent and get it out there because I want out of here. I just wonder All what would have changed that, over training camp. Did anything? His place in the lineup. Did it change? We always kind of considered him a middle six winger. Did, it, did anything I don't think fundamentally ch- change? I don't think he thinks of himself as a third-line guy, and I think he wants... Uh, well, you know how you could not think of yourself as a third-line guy? is to play better. Play okay, but all I'm doing is pushing back on your notion that he could have done it earlier. I'm saying that I bet, if sure, I had I'm- to bet, something happened at training camp. He got upset with his role, and he said, you know what, I'm not, I don't even like it here that much, and now I'm going nuclear. If I had to bet... The new agent might have suggested, hey, you know what's a really good play here is we'll make a switch and we will make your public declaration happen right at that time where everyone's on the eve of starting the season and says, hey, maybe we need a little bit of an upgrade here. Or, hey, we didn't like what we saw in the preseason. We've seen countless trades in the NHL over the years right before the start of the regular season where teams are finally ready to address some of the issues that they have. Also... I don't think it's surprising that this got out and then right away there was a reaction from the Canucks. I think this was all designed to get a reaction, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. either from other teams or from the media or from the club themselves. One, want- thing I, one thing I don't get, though, was would his agent not be like, Connor, like there's no market for you right now. The team's been That's trying not what to agents, you. Agents are nobody paid. Has any, nobody has any money. Like no, no teams have any money to take on this contract. Agents aren't often paid to give their clients the reality. They're paid to give their clients the reality that their clients want, if that makes sense. So Connor Garland's probably like, I don't want to hear any of that, right? I just mm-hmm. I, move me. I, I I hired you. Well, it's I'm easier said you. than done when nobody has money. Yeah, but he's he's going to try and show his new client that he's going to work hard to get mm-hmm. him what he wants, right? And this is how he gets other clients in the yeah, future. This is how you get other clients. You, you stick up for your unhappy player and you try and make him happy. So I want to read a couple texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Garland isn't even very good. Comes out like he's actually a good player. Just be quiet and play hockey. Get that guy the hell out of here. Um, here's the thing with Garland. Even if you don't think he's a very good player, how many wingers on the Canucks do you think is be- are better than him? Well, there's a problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> they might need him. Again, he's on the top line. Could be on the top line tonight. They might They might need him. How many wingers are better than Garland? There's there's Kuzmenko for sure. Mikheyev went healthy. Mikheyev if he's healthy, and then depending on the night, maybe Brock Besser. Besser when he's rolling. Right? Like, Maybe. But on other nights, you Bo- probably take Connor Garland. Bo- what about Beauvillier? Yeah, what about Beauvillier? What about right? Beauvillier? All those three guys are the same to me. Garland, Besser, and Beauvillier. You're kind of like, yeah, on certain nights they look good, and on other nights they're 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 invisible, and that's the problem for the Canucks. The rest of the the league sees that, and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you're not worth the money, right? We can we can find guys cheaper. I want to read another text. There's no comparing Luongo to Garland. Luongo was a superstar who gave everything to this team. Garland has underachieved. My only point in this, Texter, I'm not sitting there going, these are both the same players that have meant the same to the franchise. All I'm saying is that in certain cases, there's a a final straw in the breaking of a relationship between player and team. Mm -hmm. With Luongo, we all know, 
It was not getting started by John Tortorella at the Heritage Classic at BC Plays. What I'm wondering is if there was a final straw for Connor Garland at training camp in the preseason where he said, F this, I'm firing my agent who hasn't been able to get me out of here, and I'm getting a new guy who hopefully can. So a text just came in. Halford, you are making inferences without evidence. Yeah, that's kind of what we do. Not saying it isn't ridiculous timing, but the situation has been untenable for a while. Oh, I'm sorry. Has it been untenable? Oh, has this not been great for him? You know what hasn't been great for? A lot of guys in the organization. You know what you do in moments like that? Play better. Make your team better. I just, I, I, this is not, I mean, when you make the Luongo comparison, Luongo's situation was untenable. (laughs) This does not seem untenable to me. Hey, we can't compare those two players. What does it say when two guys in as many years request a trade? Like with Garland and Besser before him? We all know it's been a you-know-what show in Vancouver. If anyone's still pretending it hasn't been an absolute disaster in Vancouver the last few years... They are so far into denial that you are not going to reach them. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. They are the definition of the everything is fine meme. Yeah. We all know that players have not been happy in, in Vancouver. This is why it was supposed to change this year. And it was looking pretty good for a little while in terms of like the guys all saying and doing the right things. They came to Vancouver. They got here early. They're like, we're committed to winning and we're tired of losing. Nearly made it to game one of the regular season. Nearly. I mean, I don't, the Canucks gave Garland the biggest payday of his life. I mean, what it's untenable is almost a comical, um, description of the whole situation. Like it hasn't been great, but it hasn't been great for a lot of different people. Sometimes the responsibility falls on the individual to make it better. That's it. Plain and simple. End of story. Uh, coming up on the other side of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick show and the 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman. We can ask him about the Elias Pettersson bomb that Freeze dropped a couple days ago on the pod. can also talk to him about the Connor Garland situation. can also talk to him about Connor Bedard. Made his NHL debut last night, 4-2 win for his Chicago Blackhawks over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hockey is back. There's a whole lot of stuff to talk about. Keep it right here. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Canucks game day, everybody. Got a text into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. From Nate in PG, that means Prince George. Nate says, is it possible to get the listeners pumped up for tonight's opener by the end of the show? Maybe some jock jams? Well, can't play jock jams. It's borderline illegal now. But, Nate... We are excited for the start of the season. We've been waiting a long time for the start of this season. Mm. A long time. I'm excited about what's at stake. It's a referendum season. Season. Thatcher Demko said it's a do-or-die time for this group. You got a bunch of compelling storylines. And no excuses left. Right? 
No excuses. Canucks did everything they could to go in with not a lot of noise. Subsequently, there's been a lot of noise, but they tried their best. <laughs> and now we get to see. Now Mount Bruff is erupting before game one's even started. They, 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 uh, they, there was two days. They just needed two more days. And I blame Elliot Friedman <laughs> for talking about and reporting about Elias Pettersson. And then I blame Connor Garland and his new agent uh, for yesterday. Just They just needed two more days. They were and they 48 hours they, away. They would have gone to the regular season without say any it's a, major bombshells. Can I, can I just say it's a pleasure, though, to see Mount Bruff back? It's been a while. I've missed it. Andy's, <sighs> Andy's clipping audio. I know. About your passionate Sean from Connor Sean Garland. from Calgary texted in, it wasn't a passionate defense of Connor Garland. <laughs> That's how I felt like it was. Oh, my God. Sean from Calgary texted in, if Mount Bruff is erupting before game one is even played, it's going to be a long season. Pacing is important, fellas. You don't sprint a marathon. Unless you're Kelvin Kipton. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to the phone lines we go. Host of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast, Jeff Merrick here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Waiting for an eruption so early in the season, the puck hasn't even dropped yet against the Winnipeg Jets, and already we're at we're technically at we're in the a pre- couple of things. technically we're in the preseason still. I know it's like it's, it's like old to <laughs> hockey where you'd, you'd you'd have like a bench clearing brawl during the uh, warm or something like that, and the referees aren't even out on the ice, and like they're like uh, they're they're getting dressed in the room and. And it just, uh, you know, word trickles back that there's a there's a brawl on the ice. That's basically Vancouver <laughs> before the regular season. I'm trying to listen to the song. Yeah. Trying to listen to the song. Uh, I like how you guys pinned a lot on Judd Moldaver for uh, for rolling the grenade into Vancouver. Yeah, who who is this guy, Jeff? Judd? No, I know. I, like a, a lot of people, like you know, like Pat Brisson is kind of the 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 star uh he's always been kind of known as the star agent but but Judd yep, is, the, is 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 like is Judd the next one is Judd he's, the next super agent Judd is becoming and a lot of this right now is funny as having a conversation with someone yesterday who's saying like ah oh, Jeff Jackson he goes to Edmonton now he makes Judd Moldaver like the most uh, the most powerful agent in the world by handing him Connor McDavid um actually Judd used to work with Pat Prison and CA at CAA and then went over to uh, Wasserman, um, Austin Matthews, Roman Yossi. Those are two of his, you know, super key clients. Uh, now we all know he's representing Connor Garland now as well. Um, so you can make the argument he controls two of the top three players in the world, top five players in the world, and Connor McDavid uh, and Austin Matthews. He's uh, Judd's an interesting guy. You know, he um, he's a, a Toronto guy who played hockey in the in the GTHL, uh, went to Upper Canada College. Put it this way. One of like one of my favorite things is having conversations with Judd Moldaver because you know there are just some people that go a mile a minute and can't stop and there's no such thing as a quick conversation and a it's always informative and two it's always entertaining. Those are conversations with Judd Moldaver. So like this upper I'll... crust Toronto kid now is <laughs> uh, what? What's what's his? Yeah, we have a school like Upper Canada College it's called so... St. George's here. So we, I know, yeah. we all know Saints kids out here. Uh, wow. Just kidding. Um, it, what's his style Judd's, like? How Judd's he's great. How, great. how is he he's, going to uh, deal is... with this situation with Garland? He's a facilitator. Like he, he's always been this guy. He, he, you know, he, he, he finds homes for players. He find I me mean, like not like any other agent, right? They find homes and find deals for players, and you know, maximize um, their earning potential, etc. He's done that. You know, it's funny too because <laughs> you know Muldaver's signature used to, uh, and it, it, it gets tough the the longer you do it. But you could always tell one thing 
about a about a Judd Moldaver contract, and you know what that is? What's that? You always look at a play and go like, oh, he must be represented by Judd Moldaver. He would always have the player's number as part of the compensation. Oh. So like Roman Yossi, 9.059. Like there's the 59 in there. You know, Austin Matthews once had a 34 in there. Like that was always, it's like, okay, like almost like that became a Judd Moldaver signature in all of these contracts. So if you're wondering, like, oh, I wonder who represents Roman Yossi. Oh, 59's in the con, number 59's in the contract. It must be Judd Moldaver. That became sort of a, a, a signature for Judd along the way. Uh, is another Judd Moldaver staple uh, impeccable timing? Because he sure has some timing here. We <laughs> well, talked about that in the intro okay. a lot. So, so here's the thing. Like, it's not exactly a secret that, you know, Connor Garland's name has been out there from, you know, from pretty much the time that, that Jim Rutherford <clears throat> uh, went from Pittsburgh to Vancouver, right? And there was a whole talk about, you know, we're, we're creating cap space and we need flexibility. And, you know, one of the names initially that... Um, that was bandied about, and this goes back a while now, guys, um, was was Connor Garland. Now, one thing that we should point out here, Connor Garland hasn't asked for a trade, right? Like, it's not as if Connor Garland has, you know, marched into Patrick Alvin's office and say, you know, did the Denny Lemieux trade me right now? Like, there's, that, that, that hasn't happened uh, here. I think what Vancouver has just done is allowed allowed Connor Garland's camp to go to try to facilitate a trade, see what's available in the marketplace and, and try to make something happen. Um, and I know all Vancouver Canucks fans are saying to themselves, well, okay, if we're going to move Connor, Connor Garland, what are we getting in return? And I, I think that considering that the Vancouver Canucks are, you know, looking to create some cap space here, I, I don't want to call this one a, just a strict salary dump. Um, but I, I think that the, the main motivation here is to create some flexibility for, for Jim and Patrick. Um, you know, I think they'd probably, like if you're looking around and trying to find a match, I would look around and say, I would expect Vancouver to be taking a player back who has, who's earning less than Connor Garland, but also has less term on their contract, i.e., on an expiring deal this season. That seems to be what, you know, the fit is here probably for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, I think there are about five or six legitimate contenders because, like, there is a pretty significant marketplace uh, for Connor Garland out there. I think there's about five or six significant teams that are, um, that are in, how should I say, in, in a serious conversation for the services of Connor Garland. But having said that too, again, I got to qualify this, it's really hard to make a deal um, even, you know, uh, you know, when you've only played a couple of games, right? Like deals early in the season don't happen because managers want to see what their, what their team's all about. Mm -hmm. So as much as this is a story right now and blame Elliot and blame Judd Muldaver and, and, and all of it, I don't expect this to happen anytime soon. Like, I don't know. I think at best case, if you want to get it done quickly, it's probably going to take like a month, month and a half. And I think, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm being too generous on that one. Probably longer because, you know, trades don't start rolling um, until, you know, Ken Holland used to always say U.S. Thanksgiving. So I think probably that's when GMs start to make their minds up about their team. Did Judd Maldaver want this news to get out? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't think that this was planted deliberately by Judd Moldaver. Um, 
So I, I mean, I know it makes for bad talk radio to have your guests come on, who's, you know, come on and say, well, you know what? Great question. I don't know the answer, but legitimately, I don't know the answer to that one. Speaking of Jeff Merrick from the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, so the most recent 32 Thoughts, uh, you did the Outlook podcast where you looked at all oh, the teams, man. all the divisions. What was yours and Fridge's outlook for the Vancouver Canucks? Elliot likes Vancouver a lot more than I do. Um, uh, Elliot... Uh, Elliot seems to think that they're going to be, you know, right in there in that mix. And I think he's, I think he's basing a lot of it. And listen, we've seen goaltenders do this before. I think he's basing a lot of it on a healthy Thatcher Demko, whom he's cursed with the Elliot Friedman yeah. pick for the Vesna. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan, you're like, oh, thanks, Freej, way to way to jinx us here. But he he picked Demko last year, and he's sticking with with uh, with Thatcher Demko again this season. Look, like I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be real tough. For, for this Vancouver Canucks team. We, uh, we've we seen over the past couple of seasons the balance of power in the West shift from the Central to the Pacific. Uh, I, I still maintain that Calgary is the ultimate wild card here, and if things break the right way, and Markstrom, we talked about this last week, guys, if Markstrom comes back to form from two seasons ago, look out, then you have another contender in the Pacific as well. I know that outside of the first five minutes where Seattle looked you know, it looked really good uh, uh, yesterday. I'm not sure about what Seattle's going to bring to the dance. And we know that San Jose is going to go fishing for Macklin, Celebrini, or Cole Iserman, or one of these top picks come uh, come the NHL draft at the end of the season. But there's like legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. Like there's three, right? The Vegas Golden Knights, the cup lives there uh, right now. Thank you very much. And what did you guys think of the slot machine last night? Uh, the Edmonton Oilers and... You know, I I know we don't love the goaltending. I get it, but the Los Angeles Kings are right there. Mm-hmm. Like they're right there. I mean, Eric Engels from Sportsnet.ca picking the Los Angeles Kings uh, to to be right there at the end of all of it. Calgary Flames being the wild card. So I mean, Anaheim we know what they're about this season. San Jose we know what they're about this season. Uh, we do wonder about the Seattle Kraken. And, you know, are they closer to the team we saw in the first year or the team that we saw last season? But it's going to be real hard. There are, you guys know this, there's killers in the Pacific. Like, oh, there yeah. are just killer te- It is so hard. Once upon a time, I was like, Psh, Pacific, oh, this is easy. Now, phew, good luck in getting to your, your magic point total to try to make the playoffs. It's, it's real hard. First thing you need is health for everybody. Um, the second, I think, what this Vancouver Canucks organization needs, especially after the past however many seasons, I don't know, um, 20, uh, you need some quiet around the organization and things need to really settle. But I, I don't get the sense that Rick Tockett has his team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I still think this thing takes a while. But, you know, Elliot's, Elliot's higher on Vancouver than I am. Uh, Elias Pettersson, Elliot, speaking of Elliot, yeah. Um, had an interesting comment the other day on the podcast, which I heard while I was at the gym, and I was like, Haha, "I'm tweeting this out," and and <laughs> I'm because light a oh, fire. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I was on. like, this, just gonna, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing inclines, but oh, hold yeah, on, just hold it. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna light the a gym. Match I hate this first. place. Um, <laughs> the, 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 lat raises, screw that. I'm gonna let Vancouver on fire. Oh Here God, we go. what's a lat raise? Um, the uh, the comment that Elliot made when he said. You know, Pedersen has suggested that he's not ready to commit. And then he said, oh, yeah, well, the Canucks might feel the same way. What what were your overall thoughts on that? What have you heard about that yourself? 
you can't fire me, I quit. Um, I, I, I think, first of all, I think we've been consistent about this one too. I know I, every time that anyone's asked me about it, I've always said that, you know, Elias Pettersson wants to see where this team is at before he makes a, a long-term commitment. And I think that's fine. Like, I think that's, like, I, I couldn't understand, like, I can't understand it because I understand the nature of, of, of being a fan. But I sort of looked at how everybody reacted to Elias Pettersson uh, in the interview in Stockholm where he said, like, you know, I'm going to take a, a wait and see approach. I'm in, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm in, I'm in no hurry to get this deal done. And it's not as if, you know, Elias Pettersson can walk away from the organization at the, at the end of the season. But I think we all know what, you know, take your time and, and see what the squad's going to be all about um, means for something, someone like Elias Pettersson. Um, at times, you know, we've heard that um, some people in the organization haven't exactly been the biggest fans. And, you know, you wonder if it gets to a certain point where you want to play come here, go away, come here, go away, you wonder at what point the organization says or, you know, wonders to itself, you know what, is it is it worth it? Um, and if we do end up, and I'm getting way, way ahead of myself here, and I am no way suggesting that he is on the market, mm-hmm. but if you were to go to market with Elias Pettersson, what could you get? You know, like once upon a time, you know, there were there were a lot of people wondering about, you know, could an Elias Pettersson for Matthew Barzell trade make sense for both teams? Now, this is obviously before Barzell signed the, the mega extension with the New York Islanders, but there was, you know, I can't remember which draft that what might have been the was it Montreal draft or was it before that? Um, but there were, you know, people wondering, like, hey, could, th- could that work? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, and it's like any other player, not everybody from the organization is going to be on, uh, uh, going to be on your page. Um, but I, I, I do wonder if at a certain point the organization says, you know, let's have a, let's have a decision here or where are you at? And at a certain point, you're Patrick Alvin, you're Jim Rutherford. And you say, as much as we would love to have Elias Pettersson here, he's only part of this team and we need to, you know, start to put together our team based on what we want, not based on what the players want. Does that make any sense? It does. And and I wonder if it's also worth noting that they made Quinn Hughes the captain, so they're probably not going to trade him. They committed to JT Miller contractually, so his value on the market is limited, let's just say, if they went to him and said, we'd like to trade you, and he went, okay, well, no, or I'm only going here. Uh, Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko, I think you can ask the Winnipeg Jets about the value of uh, superstar goalies on yep. the market right now, and who else do they got? <laughs> what else do they got? If this season doesn't go well, like, do you really want to lock in the core and just keep trying? Like, not to put the blame on Petey, right? Because when you look at the team, you're like, Man, he's like the least of their problems on the ice, right? Yeah. But if you're looking to if the, if this season doesn't go well, you can't just keep going with the same core players, can you? Uh, you can't, and this comes back to the elephant in the room, and that is this is a team that historically has done a very poor job drafting. Yep, and has done, and and that's why now it's funny because you know all all these players that you mention. I mean, there's there's so we always look at sort of you know winning cycles and you know timelines and whose timeline are you doing it on. There are so many conflicting timelines 
for the for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, first of all, it's really hard to do a, a, a scorched earth reset, um, especially in a in a Canadian market. Man, just ask the Winnipeg Jets because I'm sure that that was discussed. And then, you know, they realize, okay, what's this going to mean for ticket sales? What's this going to mean for the business operations of the team here? We can't do that um, or we can't risk that. I mean, it is incredibly risky. It's one thing, you know, Montreal has done it so far. I don't know about you guys, but I'm still waiting for the fans to start turning like, okay, that's enough for the rebuild here. There are some markets that we know that when they, they turn on the team, it gets it gets ugly. So scorched earth doesn't work in, uh, in, in all places and you need some luck along the way if you're going to rebuild something. Um, but there are just so many conflicting timelines with, with the Vancouver Canucks. And a lot of that would have been solved if this team had effectively drafted and developed. I know this is an audit, an audit still on the, on the previous regime. But I mean, it's legitimate and you guys have been there to document all of it. I, I think this is still, I, I still think, you know, the ghosts of the old administration are still haunting this organization and it's going to take a while to get those ghosts out of the castle, don't you think? Uh, I, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, I do. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, there, there's lingering. You hangover. still see it. I mean, here, here we are with Connor Garland. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah. this is. Well, yeah, it's hilarious because, I mean, I brought, I brought it up in the introductory segment. The, this, the previous regime was also the one that gave Connor Garland the biggest payday of his professional life. Right. I mean, there's, it's very yeah. layered. But the, the issue with layers is sometimes you got to dig through a lot of them before you either clear it out or get to the bottom. Like kind of what you're alluding to. Right. It's like you got to. Trying to start clean is hard when you inherit yeah. a lot of stuff, right? Trying to start I mean, fresh I is just, hard. I, I just, here's, here's the one thing that I always do say. Like at the beginning of the year, I always say, just because I grew up in southwestern Ontario and grew up watching, you know, the French Connection and listening to the voice of Ted Darling, I always want the Buffalo Sabres to be good mm-hmm. because they've been like such a Charlie Brown. I know they came in the NHL same time as Vancouver. No, Vancouver. Yeah, oh, we're brothers. We're brothers with the Sabres. Stop, now. stop. You guys, yeah. you guys, Gilbert Perrault. We got Dale Talon. Stop. <laughs> Um, but I always want them to be good because it's, it's kind of been a Charlie Brown team for, for a long time, sure. you know, false start, false start, false start all the time. And I always want Vancouver to be good. And that's because I love what happens to hockey Twitter when Vancouver's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a fun, when Vancouver is awesome, hockey Twitter is amazing. Um, I, I love it. Uh, sometimes I'm at the, uh, I'm a target of Vancouver Canucks fans. Uh, I certainly was back in the, in, in the heyday when they made their Stanley Cup run back in 2011 and loved every minute of it. So selfishly, I always say, I want Vancouver to be good. Um, I want like happy, arrogant Vancouver Canucks Fans, uh, I'm getting kind of tired of like the angry burn it all down. We hate everything. Vancouver Canucks fans. I want Vancouver Canucks fans to be happy um, and arrogant and brash. Those are the Vancouver Canucks fans that I want back. Uh, speaking of hockey Twitter, real quick before we let you go, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about yours and everyone else's reaction to Connor Bedard's debut with the Chicago Blackhawks last night. A win and an assist for Bedard. What did you think? You know what impressed me the most is how much he uses all of the ice to distribute. 
Like, you know how sometimes, okay, you're, you're uh, you know, a rookie player. It's okay. This is my lane. This is who I'm going to pass to. Whatever I see, like whatever I see right in front of me is what I'm going to do because it's obvious. It's not very creative, but it's obvious. And I'm just out there to not make a mistake. Did you get a sense at all yesterday of Connor Bedard that he was just playing to not make a mistake? He was, God, no. how many passes to the blue line did you see? I mean, he is using everybody mm. on the ice. Like he's, he, I mean, outside of the opening draw, which Crosby just destroyed destroyed him at like it was it's like Crosby has been thinking about that face off since since the schedule came he out he destroyed him on Bedard a couple draws some clean oh. draws by Sid just like and it's funny too because Sidney Crosby himself he was in the Connor Bedard you remember go back to Crosby's rookie year how he used to get just gobbled up in face offs mm-hmm. and it took a couple of years until Sid uh, could take a draw at the NHL level but other than that would he go like 2 for 13 or 2 for 14 on the draw but other Jeff you're that, right he's like an alpha at 18 years old did you see oh. him on the first I think it might have been the first uh, Chicago power player maybe the second there's a minute left in it uh, Bedard's been out there for the first minute the Blackhawks are regrouping. He looks up at the clock, sees there's still yeah. a minute left. He's like, I ain't coming <laughs> off the ice. Right? Like he 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 has got that confidence. And to me, I don't know what he's like behind the scenes. Maybe he has a big freak out every time he, he goes home, but I doubt it because he seems very, very comfortable with all the attention he's getting. He's fine with all of it. You know, he was great on the ice yesterday. He was great on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, a couple of days ago, like anyone, we had him. We had him on the the thirty two uh, pod when we went to Vegas uh, for the players tour. Like he's like super comfortable being Connor Bedard. He has such an awareness of himself, um, you know, off the ice. He has an awareness of everything on the ice, and I think you saw that yesterday. I I, I thought Bedard was phenomenal, and I was just I was just so surprised at how comfortable he was using every single player on the ice. Um, and I know it's against the rules and blah, 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 blah. But I really did like him and Kevin Korchinski coming out without the buckets. I thought that was a great touch. Uh, Jeff, thanks for doing this. As always, enjoy the rest of the day. Have a good show. Enjoy all the games tonight. We'll do this again soon. Can we hate on Judd Moldaver again next week? Sure can. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. Private school boys. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Jeff. Uh, it's Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts Podcast here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, big 7 o'clock hour coming up, hour two of the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Jason Greger is going to join us from Sports 1440 in Edmonton. We will talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Tonight's opponent, Canucks. Oilers, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Coming up, open segment. We can get to a bunch of stories we haven't got to, and there is a lot of them. We can also dive into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Get your what we learns in as well. Hashtag them WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? You are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.